Welcome to the Basin Church Podcast. And as a church, our mission is to bring hope and wholeness through Jesus Christ. And no matter where you are and as you listen today, we hope that you find hope in Jesus and even move one step closer to being made whole. I don't know if you um, follow University of Texas football. I know Texas is a big state of football, but University of Texas football in 2015, actually not 2015, in two, yeah, 2016 to 2020, they had a head coach. And the head coach was Tom Herman. Okay, now let me take you back before his time at Texas. Tom Herman came from a, a small school and he came from the University of Houston. Okay, and as he came from the University of Houston, um, he was a small school, and at the year of the season of 2015, he was doing incredible things with this small school because this small school is not, you know, a big school. It's not Alabama. It's not LSU. It's not US, USC. It's not Ohio State. It's not any of these big schools. It's a smaller school, and he beat at the time, at the time, he beat Louisville, which is ranked number five in the nation. And so when he beats Louisville, it's going to put him on the map. And as he, as he has this victory over Louisville, what ends up happening is, is there's a, a reporter who asks him a very important question. Okay, and here's the, the question that he asks him. He says, do you think, because of your win, that Houston will be added to a big well-known conference. Now this question is huge and this is why it's it's big for him because when you win as a coach, you have an opportunity to get better coaching jobs. And you have an opportunity to climb up the corporate ladder as they would say in, in the coaching world. And not only that, but it would it would put Houston on the map. And now they were thinking, well this Houston is so good, let's put him into a different, you know, the Big 12 with Baylor and Texas and and Oklahoma, and, and and here's his response to this. His response is interesting, and here's what he says. I often don't concern myself with things I can't control. But when you sit back and you have a few spare seconds, you think about the opportunities for the Big 12. Think about that for a second, because it kind of contradicts itself, doesn't it? He says, I don't often concern myself with the things I can't control, but when I sit back... I think about the opportunities. And he doesn't concern himself with things that, of that nature, but he does think about it. And, and here's the thing. He, he's considered, you know, oh, maybe I will be a big-time coach. Maybe I will become that person. And if I have spare time, then I do think about the future. And ultimately, Tom Herman, after that 2015 season, went to Texas. He was there for four years got fired because he didn't perform like he did in Houston, and now he's with the Chicago Bears doing some form of um, coaching something with the Chicago Bears. But I say that because if you look at his um, quote and you begin to look at us, the, the, the point is this. I, don't, I can't control what I, 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 uh, is going to happen in the future. I don't worry about that. But the reality is, is at some point all of us do concern ourselves. We do concern ourselves with the future. We do concern ourselves with things that are going to happen. And, and see, there are situations that directly affect us. And when those situations arise, and sometimes they throw us, uh, it's like a curveball, we call it life's curveball, 
And when they throw at us, we begin to ask questions, don't we? And all of a sudden, all these questions go through our head, and it's the what if questions. So this happens, so now what? Or what if? And as we begin to ask these questions, these questions, uh, they, what they do is they give way to unrest. So our lives are, are at this point of unrest. Our minds are at this point of unrest. And when we are at the point of unrest, you know what we do? We voice our concerns. See, we voice our concerns, meaning this, that when you go to the doctor and you don't like what the doctor says, what do you do? Maybe I should get a second opinion. And what you're really saying is I'm concerned that he doesn't know what he's talking about, or I'm really concerned about myself. Right? And, and you, we say things like this. The other, the other thing I put is you put, am I going to have enough money at the end of the month? Do you think we're going to have enough money if, if, if we do this? Are we going to have enough money at the, uh, a month? The other thing you might be asking yourself is this. You might be asking yourself this. What is going on in the world? And is it going to be okay? And what's going on with us? What's going on with the rest of the world? And, and maybe you have concern about that. And maybe your, your, your head formulates certain opinions and certain things and you're thinking about the future because there is unrest now. And But again, you're just kind of concerned with that. But the thing is this, is we stress over those certain things and, and we tend to fret over certain things. And do you know also that when you stress and you fret, you begin to stress over decisions that you've made? Right, you stress over decisions you made, and and here's what you do: you you begin to to say things like this. Um, did I uh, am I raising my kids right? Did I raise my kids right? Should I have said that to my boss? Should I have done that? And we begin to second guess ourselves because what we are doing or what we have done, we begin to concern ourselves. Did I make the right decision? Did I make the right choice? And then all of a sudden you begin to have anxiety and you begin to have stress. You begin to have, you fret over the decisions that you made. But here's the thing. You're not alone. I'm not alone. And believe it or not, the people in the scripture and who walked with Jesus and during Jesus' day did the same exact thing. They stressed over things that they could not control. They were they fret, they worried, they had anxiety, they had all these things of things that were out of their hands. And believe it or not, guess what? Jesus knew it, and it didn't surprise him. And anytime someone would come up to Jesus, here's what Jesus would do, is when he wanted to make people think, he would, they would ask him a question, and then sometimes he would just give an answer, or sometimes he would respond back with a question. And oftentimes, he would also, when he was beginning to teach, he would ask certain questions. And the whole point of these questions was to get people to think differently, and ultimately, he wanted them to act differently. Now, there's a study by the name of Dr. David Rock, and, and I want to read this to you. He's the founder of the uh, Neuro Leadership Group. And it's pretty interesting what he says that a question does to your brain. And here's what he says. He says, when a person offers you advice or even shares an opinion with you, your brain tends to interpret it as a threat to your own ideas. Think about that for a second. So when, when someone gives you advice, you th can think it's a threat. And you're not gonna, most likely you're not going to take it, are you? So if Jesus gives advice, people might be thinking what? It's a threat. So that's why Jesus asked the question. Now, look at what happens when, you, when your brain responds to the question. Here's what he says. What's interesting is that your brain responds in the opposite when it's asked a question. 
the question tends for you to look within yourself, reevaluating assumptions and opinions. Did not Jesus know what he was doing? Think about this. So what Jesus does is he asks these questions and he asks these questions for this. They make you and train you to think differently so you will respond differently. He asks questions so people won't be threatened. And what he really wants them to do is look inwardly and he wants them to take a good hard look at their life and kind of reevaluate what they're doing and how they're doing it. So today we're going to look at a certain amount of questions that Jesus asks. And you probably heard this in, in, in pretty, it's a pretty famous scripture. And you can open up to Matthew chapter six. And, uh, at this point, as Jesus moves his people to change, he's up in the Sea of Galilee. And, and it's this lake, and it's up on the upper part of Israel. And he's there on the side of the mountain, and he's sitting down, and he begins to speak. And it's the most famous scripture, and it's the most famous um, passage in regards to his message, and his message is the Sermon on the Mount. And as Jesus begins to speak this, he begins to tell them things that are countercultural, like love your enemies, right? Don't commit adultery, right? If you look at a woman, you commit adultery. And he talks about all these different things and, and feed the poor. And, and so all these things he begins to describe that he wants his followers to do and even the crowd to pick up. So as he begins to say this, then he, right before he gets to the section, he says this, that you can't serve two masters, that you can't serve money and you can't serve God. You just can't do it. And then he launches into these questions, and, and the famous one is found in verse 25, and here's what it says. Therefore, he says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor your body, what you'll put, put on. Here's the question. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So is, is food more important? Is life more important than food? Is life more important than the body? And the body more important than clothing. And, and right now, all of us would say, yes. And believe it or not, Jesus' followers and Jesus' hearers during that time would say, yes. Life's more important than that stuff. But what you have to understand is, the chief concern of that day was food and clothes. They were so concerned with the bare necessities of life. Food and close. So when he begins to say this, he, he strikes a, a, a point right where they are living. Because everyone was concerned about what they were going to wear. They were concerned about what they were going to eat. And as he does this, it is their main concern for the day. Now think about this though. Now we all know the bare necessities that we need is what? Food, shelter, water. Anything above that is what? A luxury. Anything. Okay? Internet, cell phone laptop, anything. Everything else is a luxury. And what you got to understand is with Jesus' followers, they were concerned about food and clothes and all that. And we do concern ourselves with that. But you know what else I think? I think we take our worries to the next level. We take our concerns to the next level. Now, what do I mean by that? Because we don't just concern ourselves with food and concern ourselves with clothing. We concern ourselves with everything that encompasses our life. We're concerned about are we going to have enough money in our finances? We're concerned about our health. We're concerned about our kids, our grandkids, and just and just work in general. Are we going to have work with what's with going on, period? 
And so we begin to, to think about things, not just food and water, but things that begin to extend upon this. And, and so, so here's what he, he says this. Okay, so therefore, um, he says, don't worry about these things. So as he asks a question, he's saying, is life more than food and clothes? And the answer is yes. But the question is how he frames it. He wants the hearers to understand and look internally. Do you really believe that? So as he's sitting down and as he's talking to the people, he's basically saying, do you really believe that life is more important than what you wear and what you eat? And then he would say, do you believe that life is more important than worrying about your work, your finances, your health, your kids, your grandkids, and your marriage? And the answer is yes. But he wants you to believe it. So you can say that to your blue in the face, but do you actually believe it? Because he wants people to understand this, that it is more important than concerning yourself with something you can't control. Right? So he, he begins to say this, and now he's saying, if you don't get this here, and if you don't understand this, that you're not supposed to worry about things that out of, that are out of your control, he begins to give you an illustration. And he says this, if you continue to worry, then he would say this in Matthew 6, 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, nor do they reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father, what? Feeds them. So he's saying, look, the birds aren't even concerned about what they're going to eat. But you got to understand this. The way birds function is not the way we function. Right? They don't reap or sow because at that time and even today, as farmers, what do we do? We plant seeds, grow crops, harvest our crops, and we store them away, don't we? And he says, birds don't do that. Birds are not like that. Birds don't have that. They, they just go and find their food. And, and it's not like they're not working, but they don't toil. They don't, you know, store up these things. They don't reap. They don't plant. They don't do any of that stuff. And yet he says, what? Heavenly Father still cares for them. He still feeds them. See, because what God has done into birds is what? He's given them instincts to what? Not migrate, but, I mean, to migrate, but not to hibernate. So they move. So God gives them the instinct, hey, this is where you need to find your food. This is where you need to go. And what, what do they do? They find their food. Now look it. Here's our instinct. Our instinct is to worry and be concerned about stuff that we have no control over. See, God has given these birds instincts to, to just rely on Him. But if we were left to our instincts, what do we do? We don't rely on Him. We don't trust Him. And that's why we worry. See, the birds aren't, aren't concerned about where their food is. And guess what? You're not concerned about oxygen, are you? You're not. But see, we're concerned about things that we have no control over, which gives us anxiety, which gives us stress, which raises our blood pressure. And we concern ourselves with these things. And, and God says, well, well, time out. Jesus says, stop. Your heavenly Father knows He will take care of you. If He take care of the birds, He's going to take care of you. And then He begins, and He and He gives us this other question right after this, and it's and it's key here. And here's what He says: Are you not much more valuable than they? So if you don't believe me, followers, Jesus would say, if you don't believe that God not only takes care of the birds and He's going to take care of you, don't you believe? Are you not much more valuable? than they and here's the response that we'd all say yes 
But deep down, some of us don't believe that, do we? Some of us don't believe we're valuable. Some of us have an issue with that. And some of us have an issue because we look at our Heavenly Father, and here's what some of us tend to do. We look at our Heavenly Father and we equate our Heavenly Father with the way our earthly father treated us. And so you think there's a direct correlation between your your earthly father, the one that, you know, helped you come into this world, and you think your earthly father, because of the way they treated you, the way they did things, well, then that's your idea of a father. So when you talk about a heavenly father who is completely different and is not, not like, you know, makes mistakes like your dad here on earth, you think it's a direct reflection. So you're thinking there's no way I'm valuable because some of you in this room, your dad has done things to hurt you. And then when you look at a God and you say, God is so loving and He's so gracious and He'll never leave you, never forsake you, and He does all this stuff, you have a hard time with it because for some of you, your dad doesn't care. Your dad died when you were younger and you think, if if God loved me, then why did my dad do this? And for some of you, your dad left you. And then you have God say, well, God, you say you never leave me for uh, uh, abandon me, but yet my dad here abandoned me. Why weren't we? What the heck? Where were you? And then some of you, your dad's present. Your dad's been in the home the whole time, and he's present physically, but he's never been, what? Present mentally. And so when Jesus says, are you not more valuable than you? Some of you in here struggle with that. You struggle with the idea that how can I be valuable because you are looking at your your earthly father as equated to your heavenly father. It is completely different. He's perfect. We're not. And so as he begins to do this, he begins to unfold this and say, look, your life is, is more important. And here's what you got to understand, that not only are you valuable because he'll take care of you, but you were valuable from the beginning of time. Think about this. When God created the earth, when he created the world, what did he do? He spoke everything into being, didn't he? Stars, lights, elephants, giraffes, birds, da da da, spoken into being. What did he do to man? He formed him out of dust. And then what did he do? He breathed life into him. And he came to life. He breathed the Spirit into him. See, you're different. You're different than all of creation. You're more valuable than that bird. See, God cares about you so much that He loves you that right from from Jesus' time, from the beginning of time, He says you are valuable. And not only after that, you're so valuable. Why? Because of the relationship with you is so valuable to Him. He takes the most important thing, the one thing that is most important to Him, His Son, and what does He do? He sends Him to die for you and me. He says you're worth it. See, if, if you want to work on a relationship, if you want a relationship to last, what do you do? You will do anything to resolve that relationship, to save that relationship if it gets broken, won't you? And so what Jesus did is he comes and he says, look, you are the most valuable thing to me. And not only am I going to take care of you, but I'm going to die for you so that we can have a good, solid relationship because you're that important. And so he goes on, with the questions, and, and Jesus says, if you still don't know you're valuable, he goes back to stressing to the unknown, right? And he says this in the next 
next verse. He says, can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Okay, in another version, what he says is he says, can you add a cubic to your height? Or can you add inches to your height? And the answer is obviously no. Now, what a cubic was, was from your fingertip to your elbow. And it's about 18 inches. So anytime you see like Noah built the ark and it's cubits long, that's what they did. That was their measurement. So he says, can you, by worrying, add about 18 to 20 inches on your life? Now, some of us would love to be 18 inches taller, wouldn't we? And some of us would love more hours in our life, wouldn't we? We, some of us want more time, but Jesus says what? You can't add height nor hour by worrying about something that doesn't concern you and something that is out of your hands. And he, he would say that worrying is, is not what you want to do. And he begins, begins to say that it is useless. You can't, you can't add, you can't subtract, you can't do anything. So it is pointless to concern yourself with something you can't control. And then he continues. And he says, why do you engage in it? In the next verse, he says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor nor spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So he goes from clothes to birds to flowers. To you, to the sky, down to the ground. And he begins to talk about flowers and he says, look, they don't toil or spin. Who gives and makes the flowers grow? It's him. He gives them the right fertile soil. He brings the rain. He brings the shade. He does the sun. He does everything. They don't toil nor spin. They don't do anything. He gives what they need and they what? Grow. They are utterly dependent on him. And so as he begins to say this, he says, look, and when it comes to Solomon, now here's the interesting thing. He says, they don't even compare to Solomon's splendor. Now, Solomon, in his heyday, in the good old days, Solomon was the wealthiest king. Chariots, horses, fine linen, gold. Scripture says that a queen came from a foreign land to check out Solomon and to see his glory and his splendor of what he had. And Jesus says, see those flowers on the ground? They don't even compare to everything that Solomon had. They don't even hold a candle to those flowers. And so what are you worrying about? I take care of those. They don't even worry. The birds, nothing nothing it concerns them. And, and, he, and he would continue... They don't even come close. They don't even toil nor spin. And then he continues, If this is how God clothes the grass of the fields, which is here today and gone tomorrow and is thrown in the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? There's the issue. Faith. Do you not trust me? Do you not believe me? Do you not understand what I'm telling you? Jesus would say. See, the grass, you know, if you don't take care of grass, it dies, obviously. And some people use grass, they throw it into fire, or they throw it into kindling for to start a fire, right? So grass is here today, it's gone one day tomorrow, it's just quick. And God says, if I care about the birds, if I care about 
and take care of the flowers. And then the grass, it's here and gone tomorrow, and that's fine. And the birds don't worry, and you know the flowers don't worry. Why are you worrying? And why are you concerned with this stuff? See, the, the, the question is this. God naturally cares for His creation. Don't you think He's going to care more for you and I? After all, you're more important. You are more important than those things. And see, here's what you need to understand too. Isn't it true that when someone dies for you, you don't have to question if you're important to them? If somebody's willing to die for you, you are the most important thing in their life. And when he came on that cross and he died, he said, look, I'm going to make things right for my people because they're important to me. I care for them. I love them. And this is what I, I'm going to do. He didn't have to do it. He what? He chose to do it. So then he, he continues. Another set of questions. Verse 31. He says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32. For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, the pagans were different. Outside of a relationship with God, the pagans tried to do everything on their own. So anytime in those days, anytime a pagan would have success, they would attribute it to their own strength, their own, you know, whatever they did, it was, it was them, right? It was, I did this. And he says, whoa, don't be like the pagans. And see, you know people like this, don't you? They attribute their health to what they've done. They attribute their success to what they've done. They attribute all of that to them. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's, it's not like that. Don't even think like that. I don't want you to think like the pagans. I don't want you to do that. I want you to be dependent on me. And he begins to unpack this. And then he says, you know, I want you to, to be something different. And he characterizes the, the pagans as a way of living. But he says, if you're listening to me and if you're following me, I want you to respond in a different manner. And here's what he says in verse 33. He says, but I want you to seek what? First, the number one thing, the first thing you do is seek the kingdom and its righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God, seek the righteous life that God desires, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, as children of God, you seek the will of God, you seek the kingdom of God. See, and here's the thing. If the will of God is established, the kingdom of God is established. In the here and in the now. And so God wants you to pursue Him and the things of Him. And He wants you to pursue righteous wholehearted living. Now, when I was in middle school, I've never forgotten this sitting in middle school church when I was a kid. He kind of read this this scripture and he held out his hands to his body like this and kind of like this is your vision. like Okay, so you have kind of a V outside of your body. And he says, this is what happens. My vision, if my vision is focused on kingdom and focused on kingdom things and righteous living, if I'm focused on the Lord and what he wants to do, he says some, something will happen. He says God will do something that as you do this, He will begin to add things that you need and He'll begin to remove things that you don't need. So all those things you're worrying about and all those things you're concerned about, if your Heavenly Father knows you need them, you seek first the kingdom of God and He will what? 
add them to you. But it's only what? If we seek Him first. There's that condition. You do this, I'll do this. So, in light of just what he says, he, he brings it back to seek in his righteousness. And here's what he says, final verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Worry is not supposed to be constant in your life. Stressing is not supposed to be constant in your life. Anxiety is not supposed to be constant in your life. And since you don't have the answers to the future and you know what the future holds and there's things out of your control, Jesus would say this, stop. I've got the whole world in my hands. I know what's going to happen. I love you. I care for you. So stop worrying and fretting. Stop raising your blood pressure. Stop what you're doing. Because you're not sleeping. Stop doing this stuff. I've got this under control. And the bottom line, what Jesus is saying in all of this, and his point is, is don't be concerned with things you can't control. Let me control it. But he says this, you can't control tomorrow, but you can trust God today. See, I can't control tomorrow, but I can trust God today. And really what Jesus is saying, it's a trust issue. It's a faith that you do you not believe me enough that I will take care of you? I know what you need and therefore seek me and you will find. Seek me and I will give. I will respond to you. See, but here's the interesting thing. I can sit here and say, okay, great. Trust God. Have a good week. So I'm like, oh, okay. See, but just because I tell you something, right? Just because... I say something and it doesn't mean you're going to do it. See, knowing something doesn't always prevent you from doing it, does it? Think about this. Knowing something doesn't always prevent you from doing it. When's the last time you told somebody what they wanted to hear instead of what they needed to hear? When's the last time you spent money on something you couldn't afford? See, just because you know something doesn't mean it's going to prevent you from doing it. And just because Jesus says, do not worry and don't be concerned yourself with things that are not in your control, doesn't mean we're not going to stop worrying, does it? It doesn't mean we're just, we're just going to say, okay, that's great. Life is good. Okay. Let's just, let's just move on. But here's the problem and here's kind of the, the struggle. See, our worries are fueled by whatever we are committed to in life. That's where the problem lies. That whatever you're committed to, that fuels your worry. Think about it. The most important thing to you, you're going to talk about, you're going to share with somebody, and your priority and your schedule is going to reflect it. And so if you're concerned about something, it's no different when you, when, when you have that. It's going to be in the forefront of your mind, You're going to be concerned about it. You're going to worry about it. And guess what? Your emotions are going to follow. And here's the thing. When your emotions begin to follow, you're not just hurting yourself. You're hurting and stressing the people around you. They're trying to fix you. They're telling you to stop. And you're not stopping. And so there's a direct correlation between your quality of life and what you worry about. Direct link. 
So what are you concerned about? And what is the, the, the most important thing? Because believe it or not, some of you in here, you're not fooling anybody. Some of you in here, you're worrying about and stressing about certain things and you're not fooling anyone around you. And some of you wear it on your shoulder or on your sleeve. Everybody knows. People closest to you know. People at your work know. People know what you're concerned about. And there's others of you who hide it and think, oh, I'm going to hold my cards tight and no one's going to know what I'm worrying about. But can I tell you this? I know some of you are worrying about certain things that you can't control because you're not sleeping at night. And you'll attribute it to something else. But the reality is, is your mind's going and you're stressing about something that you can't control. See, we struggle against this, with this idea because uh, we like to be in control. See, some of us need to be in control. You know why? Because control comes power. And we like to control so much that it shows up in our parenting, our marriages, and our relationships. And it shows up in our children's lives as well. See, just think about how many times your children push against the boundaries to see who's really in charge. What about growing up? Remember, you didn't like playing with a particular friend because they acted like the boss? See, when it comes to our life, we think we know what is better because we're in control. And so what we end up doing is we play this chess game with God. We make a move because we believe it's the best move. Yeah, Lord, I know exactly what you say and I know exactly what you want to do and I know I'm supposed to trust you, but I'm going to move in this direction because this is what's best for me. And then, and then God goes, no, 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 okay, Lord, I, I got to go back over here. And so you walk back over here and then you move this way. And so I know I'm supposed to trust you, God, but I, I just believe that there's a better outcome than this. And the other thing, you know what we struggle against? I'll tell you what we struggle against. We struggle against how we view facts. And what I mean by that is we view facts in a different way. See, some of you view the facts and you view it through your problem. Well, I have this. And you look through the problem of your health. You look through the problem of your finances. You look through the problem in the scope of your kids or your marriage or whatever it is. And so you look at the problem, and when you look at the problem, guess what? The one who can solve the problem gets really small. And your problem is really huge. And so you have this, this, this thing that is, it's not balanced in your life. So the problem outweighs what? The problem solver. Who's the problem solver? God. See, but when I'm so focused on what is wrong and I'm so concerned with all these things, He's so tiny and this is so big. What he's saying is this. You view the facts. Okay, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm not going to be concerned about this because I know who can solve my problem. And it's the Lord who can solve my problem. Hey, Lord, I give it to you. I give you my health. I give you my fantasy. I give you this stuff. And look, he becomes bigger than your problem. And so you're not concerned. You're not worried. You're not fretting because you know who the one who can take care of it. It's him. See, so when you have this battle going on in life and you're struggling over control and if you're struggling over the way you view things and you view facts, guess what? There's going to be this unrest in your life. And here's what God wants to do for you. And here's what He says. He says, I want to bring peace to your life. He wants to give you reliance on your Heavenly Father will bring peace in your present. Rely on your Heavenly Father and He'll bring peace in your present. Now, let me just give you and I'm going to be open and I'm going to be transparent here for a second. Because believe it or not, I've struggled with this the last year. 
So last year I was going through something. And if you know me very well, you might have seen it because I wear my emotions on my sleeves. Or maybe I held my cards tightly. I don't know. But as I was going through this situation, I look, I don't get depressed. I wake up in the day and go, okay, Lord, let's go do this. I'm just one of those guys that's optimistic at times, but really, I just that's just who I am. Um, I'm, I'm confident of what the day is going to bring. But I remember when the situation hit me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And listen, I have never been depressed in my life ever. I remember sometimes not wanting to go to work because I was so concerned with this thing in my life. I remember sitting in my room at times and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And I would tell her what I was concerned about, what I was going through. She's like, what are you, what are you concerning yourself with that about? What are you, why are you, it's not even an issue. And then I tell my friends and my friends go, what are you thinking? Who are you? And I remember sitting in my chair and I remember sobbing one day going, I don't want this to happen. I don't want this to happen. And finally someone said, you need to just go see somebody. And you need to go see an expert or you need to go talk to somebody and see and see what, what happens. And so I did. I went to an expert and I, I had them, you know, the thing I was dealing with. And I got I, I, I got a good report. And they said, so what do you what do you concern yourself with? He gave you a good report. He, there's nothing there. There's nothing to concern yourself with, with the future or anything else. Nothing's going to happen. So what are you concerning yourself with? And I'm telling you, as soon as I got that report, there was times where I've gone back to being concerned about my life and what is going to happen to my life. But let me tell you this. The moment I was here one night, I told the Lord, Lord, it's yours. And I'm not going to worry, and I'm not going to stress, and I'm not going to fret. Guess what? I don't stress, I don't fret, because he's got it. That's what it looks like. Look, I'm a pastor, and I have a problem with this. Look, you've got to give it to the Lord. None of us are immune to this. So what God's saying is, he's saying this, I've got this, don't worry about it, let me take care of it. And He and this is what he promises to do. See, if you move, God moves. If you're willing to do what you're supposed to do, God will move. And see, here's what we think. We think that if I just do something, that God will automatically just bring something my way. No, God doesn't work like that. Believe it or not, here's how God works. There's conditions sometimes with God. He says this. If Remember, we looked at Jeremiah last week. He said what? If you seek me, you will what? Find me. But you're not going to find me if you what? Don't seek. I will heal your land if you humble yourself and you pray. And seek me diligently. So always God has these things. And sometimes we live life as Christians and say, well, I don't want to have to do anything. God's just going to bring it and that's the way it's going to be. And that's not how he operates. You have to do your part. He already does his part. So if I seek him, he'll find him. If I humble myself and diligently seek him, it says what? He will heal the land. There's many things in there that are conditional. So here's what God says in Philippians chapter 4. If you trust in him, he will do his part. And Paul tells us this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Verse 6 in Philippians chapter 4. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So he says this. If you are not going to be anxious, if you will give me everything and prayer, and you petition me, and you present your requests to me, if you do that, 
Here's what God says I will do. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the promise. If you give everything to me and are not anxious about anything, then I will give you peace that will guard your heart and your mind. And here's the kind of the picture that he gives you. There is this guard, this garrison that is guarding the soldiers. He's not letting anybody in. He's walking to and fro. He's not letting anybody in or anything in. And when he says the peace of God will transcend your hearts and your mind, that God will give you peace. You don't worry about, you don't anxious, you're anxious about this. If you give it to me, look, I'm going to protect your heart. Nothing will get in. Transcend all your understanding. Yeah, you might think this way, but look, the way I work, I will give you peace to your heart. And then he says those thoughts that come in your mind, look, I'm going to protect your mind. Things that come in your mind, it says that they come to the, the obedience of Jesus Christ, the Word says. And every, you take every thought captive. Look, you take the thought captive under the authority of Jesus Christ. Look, He gives you peace and those aren't allowed in there because He is a, like that soldier protecting the rest of the, of the, of the soldiers. Nothing is getting through. But you have to what? Not be anxious and to give it to Him by prayer, by petitioning Him, which I, I'll talk later, but, and by just giving your request to Him. That's what He will do. And that's the promise. So here's the question as I wrap it up. What are you worried about today? What has got you so wound up you're not sleeping at night? What has got you your mind spinning throughout the day? What is making you miserable? See, whatever it is, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do this week. Start to do this, and I want you to pray this. And here's a little prayer. It says, God, I'm anxious about fill in the blank. Start there. Present your request to God. Ask Him. Lord, I'm not going to worry about this, but here's what I'm anxious about. I'm anxious about what? My marriage. But I trust you today. God, I'm anxious about my finances, but I trust you today. God, I'm anxious about my family, my health, and my work, but I trust you today. And see what happens. See what happens and what the Lord does in your life when you begin to pray that prayer. Lord, I'm anxious about this, but I trust you today. And I give it to you today. Now, for those of you who don't worry, here's where kind of goes for you. You know someone who does worry, don't you? And you might be married to them. Or they might live in your house. Or they might be your best friend. Here's what I want you to do. Pray for them. Because their emotions and what they're dealing with, it affects you. But ask them and ask the Lord, Lord, would you just help them to have the peace of mind? And begin to pray for them. Because they don't, God doesn't want them to live with that anxious feeling, that worry, that stress, that fret, that high blood pressure. He doesn't want them to live with any of that. So begin to pray for that person. And finally this, let's begin to be people, all of us today, that live out Jesus' words. We don't live like the pagans. We're not concerned with things that we can't control. We're just going to trust Him today. And we begin to do that, and God brings peace to us. Peace to our hearts, to our minds. Because why? Because we can't control tomorrow, but what? We can trust God today. So let's do that. So I'm going to ask you, and right now, I'm going to give you the opportunity.
as I pray, I'm going to ask you just to take whatever you're, in, whatever you're concerned about. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to take it in your hands. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm surrendering it to you today. I want you to start here today and say, Lord, I am anxious about this, but today I trust you. And I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to give that opportunity that you will do this and begin to release it to him. Look, I released my problem and my concern, and I'm not concerned anymore. If you can do it for me, the pastor, he can do it for you. He can do it for any of us. So let's pray, and I want to give you time to do that. Lord, I just thank you for this day. Oh my goodness, Lord, we just are so grateful for you and your word. We're thankful for God, just of who you are, that you care about birds and you care about flowers, but Lord, more importantly, you care about each and every person in here. So Lord, right now as we take our hands, Lord, we put that problem in our hands, we put that concern in our hands, or what we're concerned about, and we say, Lord, would you work it out in the name of Jesus? Lord, we're anxious about, and we fill in the blank, and Lord, right now we give it to you, we surrender to you, Lord, and we don't take it back. So Lord, for those of us in here who are concerned about finances, Lord, today we will not be concerned about finances anymore. Because, Lord, your word says that you are the God who provides. Lord, if we're worrying about our health, God, we're not going to worry about our health, God. We just give it to you now in the name of Jesus. Those of us who are worried about our kids, Lord, you love them more than we do, so, Lord, we give them to you today. Lord, those in here who are concerned about our our finances, we're concerned, Lord, about our work, we're concerned about the stability of our job, Lord, we just give it to you now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you care so much for us that we just give it to you and we don't take it back. We completely surrender to you. And Lord, would you guard our hearts and minds with peace today? And would you begin to move in our lives? We thank you for today, Lord, that we can trust you, that you love us, that you care for us, and we're the most valuable thing to you. God, let us go and worry no more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you would like more information on our church or you'd like to visit us in person, you can go to basinchurch.org. And as always, we hope this content helps you on your faith journey.